Before we get to the show, I want to make sure you know about our podcast, Making Marketing. It's a show where Shireen Patak talks to the biggest names in the marketing world about the decisions they're making in their business every day. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Anchor.fm. Check it out, or you can go to digiday.com and learn more. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sango, and today I have a session from the Digiday Content Marketing Summit held in Vail, Colorado. Even 13-year-olds have a YouTube channel today. If they can have something to show for content, then the candidate who's applied for the job of a content creator on your team can have a portfolio. That's what we heard from Jen Jordan, who is the executive producer at Babbel USA. How to hire the right people to work on the content team for your brand and more in this session. Listen in. I am so excited to talk about this. This is the number one thing I get asked about everywhere I go. Um, and my team is my absolute most favorite thing. I'm Jen. I'm the executive producer of content at Babbel USA. Um, and of course, please tweet me any questions you have if we don't get a chance to answer them all. Please tweet nice things. All of my team is watching like hawks right now on my Twitter feed. <laughs> um, you can say how nice I look, how put together I am. Um, anyway, so Babbel is a language learning app. Our mission has and always will be everyone learning languages. If you've heard NPR in the last six months, you've probably heard one of our ads. Um, we launched actually 10 years ago. <laughs> Thank you, NPR. Um, 10 years ago in 2008 in Berlin. We have about 500 people working in Berlin. That's our headquarters. And only about 25 people in New York City. Our office there opened about two years ago. We're the number one top grossing language learning app in the world. Um, and we have over a million, I think it's closer to a million and a half active paying subscribers now, which is really exciting. So if content is people, these are my people. Look at these sweet baby angel millennial faces. I love them so much. I've hired everyone on here except for Dylan in the top center um, who interviewed me. Um, a lot of folks like to know how my team is structured, so I wanted to sort of lay out how, how it works for us right now. And um, obviously with a lot of potential to grow since we're still in the early days. Obviously, I'm an executive producer. I have three content producers whose main job is to create content um, mostly for Babel Magazine, um, which I'll talk about in just a moment, but also writing social scripts, repurposing our content from the magazine to create other types of multimedia or interactive content. We have two content fellows, AKA interns. They are fantastic. Um, usually interns work with us on either a three or six month fellowship. Um, and they usually have a pretty specific job or role that we're looking to hire for. We have a social producer, um, which we work with very closely. Obviously, a lot of our content we want pushed out on social, but we have to adapt it. We have to work with the design team or our head of video production to make sure that it's engaging for a social format. And then our head of video production in the bottom right and his new intern, um, I actually stole from our Berlin team. They're still upset about it, but he's fantastic. Um, and it's made a really big difference in terms of our ability to sort of push out content on a better pipeline. So content is the engine at Babel USA. Um, you see there's nine people on my previous slide. We're 25 people total in the office. We're a huge portion of that team. Content is the main way that we're making strides in the US market. Um, you can see an image of our magazine I took just a few days ago. Um, there's a whole bunch of 
content strategy that's really gone into that. Um, you can see it's not just language content, it's also stuff like annoying things your travel companions do. Definitely not based on real person experience. <laughs> um, so we try to run the gamut, not just from our normal marketing perspective of who we're targeting, which are like lifelong learners, language learners, people learning languages for their jobs, but anyone who's interested in culture, language, food, we love writing about food. Um, any of those verticals, we try to, um, we're trying to capture the attention of with our content. Um, you can also see we have a book club. Um, only 3% of the books published in the US are books in translation, meaning books originally written in another language. So we're starting a book club to bring more awareness to that. When we talk about performance and content, I focus a lot on organic growth, but obviously we work very closely with performance marketing. I'll talk more about that, but it's gauged on a strict channel and country CPA, so everything is optimized to scale from there. Content drives serious growth at Babbel. So Babbel Magazine gets around 10 million page views per month globally. This fluctuates on seasonality. It does include paid traffic, um, but our organic traffic is actually growing at quite a great rate right now based on our SEO efforts, which go SEO. Um, content was the number one performing acquisition channel in the second half of last year, beating out TV. Um, and 10 pieces of multimedia content are produced every week. Usually it's closer to 12 or 14 at this point. So content is hard. The end. That's all I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> my entire hypothesis right now is that good content is really hard without the right people. People are the key part of creating content that doesn't suck. And let's face it, there's a lot of content that sucks. Um, sorry, to, sorry to break it to you all, but I'm sure you've seen it. Um, the main things I want to talk about with you today are hiring, so growing your team, and then also motivating them. So once you have this fantastic team, how do you make sure you don't lose them um, in terms of their attention, in terms of keeping them high performance, high production? So let's talk about growing. Hiring is the absolute most rewarding and also most difficult thing I do. It's crazy time consuming. It's really difficult, especially when you're talking about entry level folks, understanding their potential and what they can do. So I hope this is a little bit more enlightening about what we've learned and what I've talked about with peers in New York about what they've learned. So the first thing is I hate cover letters. I don't ask for them. I always want a portfolio link. Even if someone's a student or just out of school, they should have a portfolio, they should have a website. There's no excuse not to have that kind of presence at this point, especially if you're passionate about content creation. People, um, like 13 year olds have YouTube channels now. You should be able to have like a great Instagram presence or if social media isn't your thing, a blog. You should be looking to create content if that's what you wanna do and that's the role you're applying for. I always look at portfolios. Um, and like I said, prioritize the drive to create great content. Um, there's, there's no way to like really gauge if somebody is going to maintain their interest in content, like if they're actually just telling you they love creating content, unless they have a track record of doing it and you can see that they're really engaged. Finally, give assignments. A few things about assignments. Assignments shouldn't be longer than 30 to 45 minutes to complete. It is unpaid work. You should keep an, keep an eye on that. I've done some assignments for companies that have done like an hour and a half or more of my time and that gets tricky, um, especially for entry level roles, 30 to 45 minutes. And it shouldn't be about looking for the right answers. It should be looking for the way they got there. So sort of like in school, you did long division, like looking for the method and the reasoning behind that. Um, so look at the methodology and how they're getting there. It should look like a lot of folks that I've sort of cast out in this process have obviously not done their homework or read the magazine. 
or they pitch ideas that are exactly the same ideas we just wrote about. Those are good indications that maybe they didn't do their homework or maybe they don't care, maybe they're not engaged, or maybe they just don't have any new ideas. So give assignments, it'll really help you narrow down the pool of candidates you have. Once you do get people in, it's talking about personality and potential. Um, I worked with a lot of educators in a previous life, um, and they talk about growth mindset. Growth mindset is the most important idea. Fixed mindset means you think you're born with all of the talent and knowledge and intelligence that you're going to have, and it's pretty much like that's what you've got. But growth mindset means that you're going to have the most basic abilities and you can continue to improve on those. It shows that if you've hit a challenge, you're able to overcome it and grow beyond it, which is also why I say grit over polish. Um, I love when people apply to jobs for content and they've had totally terrible, shitty like service jobs. Um, one, of my, one of my producers, he started as a fellow and I hired him within like two and a half months of his fellowship, super early. His first job was a toll booth, um, a toll booth person, a toll booth monitor. Um, the person who like you throw your change at in Massachusetts. Um, but he studied linguistics and he had like this passion for writing about linguistics and boiling down these really difficult um, concepts into pedestrian ones that I could understand, that other people on my team could understand. And I think that he really, just the fact that he's had such crappy jobs and is able to like combine some of that experience um, it's a really interesting skill. It's a really interesting personality trait. Um, one last word on cultural fit. I kind of hate that term. I think it's really dangerous in a lot of ways, um, but it's particularly dangerous when you're thinking about the way people think. So groupthink kills creativity. If you have a bunch of people who think the same way, you're going to just stagnate in your ideas very quickly. So make sure that you're not thinking just people who think the same way we do currently. This is the ugliest side, and I have another really ugly one for you guys, but I think it's really important. Um, so I'll break it down in marketing terms, but what, the way I described it to one of the people on my team was, think of it as an astrological chart. So my son signed as an editor, but I'm on the cusp of producer. I have an analyst in my third house, and I'm a rising optimizer. <laughs> if that made zero sense to you, I'm so sorry. <laughs> But I thought it made total sense to her, so I wanted to like, give you two different ways to think about it. Um, all of these roles, so editor and producer are obviously my team. That's me and my team. An analyst is somebody who is available to the entire marketing function, um, but we work very closely with. And then we have optimizers, which are our digital marketing professionals. So um, the important thing to take away from this is great teams embrace an iterative cycle. So it's not just a one and done. Like You create the content, and then there's all of this stuff that happens where you measure it, you optimize for it, you have an analyst look at the numbers, he helps me understand the best way to report on it, and then I plan our content mix and our content calendar based on that data. So it's a cycle that happens over and over again. Just to highlight some of the really important pieces here, obviously editor, that's my jam, I'm talking about figuring out, planning out what the next step is and strategizing. Um, I work super closely with our analysts actually. I buy him coffee, I buy him beers. I try to stay in his good side because he's really grumpy, but he really helps me out in terms of understanding my GA reports and understanding our internal reporting and understanding like what's actually doing really well and like maybe something is not doing so hot and coming up with a scale to sort of measure what's the most effective content. Um, really valuable relationship to have. Of course, I work very close with my producers. Their main job is to produce content, but it's also to brainstorm with me. So now that we have some data, it usually informs a lot of our brainstorming, and I'll talk about brainstorming more in just a moment. Um, optimizers, we have a weekly meeting with our digital marketing team, um, and optimizing is actually 
really, really important, and it's not just they need new content, it's figuring out how to optimize content that already exists. One thing that's interesting here is one of our top performing pieces in performance marketing is two years old. So they've continually optimized something over and over again that continues to perform well. So we don't need to create a lot of content for them, but we do need to understand the data, and they do need something to work with so they can continually optimize it. And then, of course, I've talked about my analyst. Um, his main job is to help me understand that data, um, pull it myself, ideally, um, and we have a regular meeting as well. So hire a great content team. You've got it all figured out. You're golden. I'm sorry to tell you that's not the truth. Um, so they probably find yourself in a situation, or maybe you already have a situation where you have a fantastic team, or you have a team. Maybe they're a bunch of millennials and they need to be motivated and creatively stimulated. I can say that as an elder millennial, so just to put that out there. Um, it's really important to keep them motivated and keep them uh, as a high-performance content team. So we're going to talk a little bit about inspiring ideas, encouraging innovation, and also how to lead while promoting that creativity, as well as uh, some collaboration and feedback. So inspiring ideas and encouraging innovation is something I could talk for an hour about, but just to give you an idea of our brainstorming method, in a lot of previous roles, I've been thrown into brainstorming meetings every week where I would keep a list sort of beforehand, but like my boss was like, all right, give me good ideas. And you sit there and you like sort of like push out a few and he's like, oh, that one's good, that one's bad, it's all right, like maybe we'll do this one. What if we did this one but like made it a listicle? Um, that terrified me personally <laughs> and I'm an extrovert. So what I have my team do is I keep a Google Sheet and we are constantly reading linguistic, language, culture things that we think are sort of interesting. Maybe you don't know exactly what the article looks like, but we keep notes and we all are sort of commenting and looking at these notes and every week we meet up and we talk through and we sort of like pitch each idea, even if it's totally half-baked. And what we do is we try to find the Babel perspective. So you have you know, the topic and the experts are writing about it, then you have what everyone else is saying about it. Where is the white space that we can really take our own perspective and add value versus just becoming an echo chamber? And that's what we talk about. So I press them on, well, what is interesting about this to you? A lot of our readership is people our age and we're lucky to work with content in a subject area that's super interesting. Um, but that's the general way we try to strategize in brainstorming without voting down ideas as good or bad. Um, silence is okay. This is important in work and in life. Um, it's okay to have some silence while people think, um, and it shouldn't be an intimidating thing. Keep it weird. Um, one of the weirdest things that we got an idea for content um, was when we were in Berlin. I brought my team to Berlin to visit the headquarters. And all of the beverages in the office in Germany and a lot of places you go in Europe are all sparkling. And what are you supposed to do if you hate sparkling water or beverages? We could not figure out how to have someone bring us a non-sparkling beverage. Like, then they wouldn't like, charge us for water. We're like, how do you just ask for tap water? And none of our Berlin colleagues could really figure it out either. They're like, oh, I don't know. I just like, bring my water bottle everywhere. I was like, OK. Um, so we actually wrote an article where we studied the history of bottled water and sparkling water in Europe. Traditionally, tap water is used for washing things, washing yourself. Sparkling water is for drinking. For a long time in the US, uh, tap water was not safe until they started chlorinating it. And that's actually why bottled water was a thing. Um, and we actually came up with our linguistics team and our language experts in Berlin how to ask for tap water and also how to ask if you're going to charge extra for the water. Um, so that's the nexus of one of our ideas. Um, the other thing I did that was really successful was we actually took a week out of our schedule and I had my team have a hack week. So we had a list of like 
15 things that we'd had on the back burner. Some of these included creating more audio content, seeing if we can launch a podcast or maybe use some form of like Alexa skill or something for like for languages. We thought that'd be really interesting. We had a whole bunch of other ideas too. Um, and we said, all right, let's like choose one or two a piece, see how much progress you can make within a week on it, and let's present them at the end of the week. Each of my team members took three to four ideas and they presented 12 ideas to me. And three of them are things we do regularly now. Three are things we have scheduled for the second half of, of next year. Um, and it was really, really productive. And it really shook up their schedule in a way that got out of their, like, I have to do three articles, I have to do this, I have to do copy edit this. Um, it generated a ton of really valuable insights. Um, one of those things I'll mention later, but it's a, a medium publication called First Person. And it's all user stories about learning languages. So why I learned a language. Um, and it doesn't even have to be with Babbel, just why people learn languages, because let's face it, Americans need excuses and inspiration because learning languages is really hard. Um, finally, don't get upset when your team appears to not be working. I don't know where I heard this stat, but it's 30%, <laughs> good writing is 30% thinking. I think that's probably true. And uh, I don't get upset when I see my team sort of watching a YouTube video and kind of hanging out on the couches and staring off into space because I know eventually they will turn in their articles on time. So leading while promoting creativity, this should be super simple actually. If you've hired the right people, provide a vision and goals. What's the overall vision? What are we doing? And what are some of the goals we want to hit on the way there? Step two, let them do it. They might do it in a different way than you expected. Um, and that's okay if you're achieving the vision and the goals that you set out for them. Um, but if you've hired the right people, we'll be fine. It's just micromanaging kills the drive to be productive. <laughs> and uh, especially for creatives, it's especially daunting. So um, the, the number thing, the step three that I have here is learning how to say no without dampening enthusiasm. My team does bring me a lot of ideas. Some of them are things that we can't do right now or maybe we'll never do. And the best way to do this is to say, hey, how does this fit into our vision and goals? Maybe there's a way it does that you didn't think of. But it gives you an easy way to say, hey, I don't know if this fits in now. Like, how about you table it? You know, maybe it could work in the future, but right now I don't see how it fits into our vision and goals. Encourage collaboration. Um, it's really, really important to talk to people outside your little microcosm of your team. Specifically, um, your performance team, obviously, and all the folks I mentioned earlier. Also, your PR team. We've had a lot of great opportunities that we've maximized by being really close with our external PR team and agency, both in Berlin and I think the one we work with is actually based in the UK. Um, one of these opportunities was we were writing this LGBTQ travel guide. We talked to influencers in that community and um, influencers who had like a lot of Instagram followers who were like known for this. And then we also worked with our language team to develop some of the context behind how you express yourself if you're in a situation where you need to tell someone that you're trans or um, what sort of communities might be more dangerous to travel to because there actually are quite a number of considerations if you're out and traveling. Um, and it became a three-part guide. It was a lot of work, a lot more work than we initially thought. And we ended up pitching it to Mike, MIC, um, the publication that's really millennial focused. This is right in their wheelhouse and they actually interviewed my producer on her guide and then linked to it like four different times in the article. So that was a huge win in terms of collaboration between us and our PR team. Um, and of course, talk to your customers in your community. This is so important. It's really important to understand the kind of content that's resonating with them, what they want to hear more about. 
Um, and this led to, of course, our Medium publication, First Person, where we share their stories. We actually interview them, and then we publish their stories on our Medium page. Um, the other cool thing we've done is we've started to do language challenges. So at the beginning of the new year, we challenged, um, I had my team, I challenged my team to learn a new language. I did as well. You can look at the hashtag Babel21, um, and you can see folks posting goofy videos of themselves trying to learn new languages. And every day they had a challenge, and then we did the challenge to try to model that behavior. Um, and then we you know, cheered them on because they were developing a new healthy habit, and it was very exciting. Um, giving timely and frequent feedback is so important. We all get busy, our team gets busy, you get busy if you're a manager. It's so tempting to push back that weekly one-on-one. -on -one. It's really important that you don't do that. Um, there should never be surprises at reviews or at bigger check-ins because every week you should be communicating with your team and setting aside just 20 minutes um, because those small issues or blockers come up when you hear like someone hesitate before they tell you, you know, you're like, how are things going this week? And they're like, well, things are fine. You have to like dig into that a little bit more and figure out what's going on. Maybe someone else is giving them a lot of work you weren't aware of. Um, maybe they're facing some other issue, um, but nothing should be a surprise and you should not cancel even when things get busy. Also, if you find you don't have anything to talk about, you're not talking to your team enough. You should always have things to talk about. You should be talking constantly. Um, finally, this is a real picture that I went on a coffee run for my team the other day. It is like 100 degrees and humid in New York for the last three weeks, so we had to get some iced coffees. Um, be the kind of employee you'd want to manage. Model that behavior. Do the boring SEO optimization work to understand how long it actually takes. Copy, edit, an email. Do some of the things that your team is doing so you can understand exactly what they're doing and how to do their job and also you know, understand how long it takes in their lives too. So that's everything I have. I, if I can leave you with one thing, it's just really focusing on the hiring process. I know it's time consuming and so difficult, but if you can look at those portfolios and really look at someone's potential in terms of like a growth mindset, I think that you'll have such better content and such a better experience in general because I really do think that is absolutely key. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Anchor.fm. You can also tweet at me. I'm at Aditi Sangal. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week with another episode.